It is Baptism Sunday. Let's celebrate that. Come on. It's Baptism Sunday. It's always an exciting Sunday. So, um, man, before we get into the message, I'd like to make a few announcements. Um, The first announcement I'd like to bring to your attention is um, we are going to Redland Middle School June the 16th, if I have that correct. Yes, Redland Middle School, 9.30 and 11 a.m. We will be at Redland for the summer. So we'll be there until the end of August. We will be back here in September. They got some cleaning and some construction that they want to do here at Shady Grove Middle School. And so we're going to be at Redland. We've been at Redland for the past two summers, so it's not a new spot for many of us. But for many of you, it will be. It's going to be an exciting time. Uh, we're going to meet in their gym. Uh, the acoustics in there are amazing. So um, it's, going to be, it's going to be great. And so you can expect kid, uh, kid care, um, nursery, K through 5. Everything's going to be the same, just a different spot. And uh, the second announcement is High Word Wednesday. High Word Wednesday. I don't want to give you a date. i got to get my date correct, but uh, it's going to come soon in June. It's either June 5th or 12th, but High Word Wednesday will last throughout the summer. We're going to get together on a Wednesday evening for about an hour or so, and we're just going to go verse by verse through a book in the Bible. It'll be a great time to just come. We're asking that you would bring your Bible a notepad and a pen in your phone. And we're just going to dive in and, and, and dig deep into the Word of God. And um, it's just one of the, the, the great ways to grow in your faith is to just get in, a, get in a book. You know, I'm all over the place on a Sunday. You don't know if I'm going to preach about love or about this or about that, but we're just going to go verse by verse. So High Word Wednesday, we're going to get you all of those details via email, via social media and on Sunday when you come to church. So please um, come on out, join us. Uh, This is not uh, an exchange for your light group participation. So I'm I'm gonna ask that you would stretch this summer, that you would become a part of a group and that you would attend High Word Wednesday. It only lasts for about 11 or 12 weeks. And I think it's gonna propel you as you head into the fall and the winter season. This is, this is a growth season. So High Word Wednesday. Anyone excited about High Word Wednesday and Redland Middle School? Come on, let's make some margin in our schedule. Let's get there. And uh, it's going to be fun. So today, I want you to join me in the book of Acts. Um, I'll be sharing a story on baptism. We're going to teach on baptism today. And uh, I hope, my prayer is, is that if you've never been baptized, that you would take that next step um, today, that you would take that next step. And uh, hopefully this will help clarify some questions or some things about baptism. And um, yeah, so to, to, to lay the foundation before we read the verse, the book of Acts is about the acts of the Holy Spirit through the followers of Jesus Christ. So Jesus has died He's raised from the grave, and he has ascended into heaven. Um, Right now, Jesus is in heaven, sitting on the right hand of God. Whenever you hear right hand of God, that's the hand of favor, the hand of strength, the hand of power. Whenever you hear about the left hand of God, which you hear about it seldom throughout the Old Testament, that is the hand of judgment. And so Jesus is on the right hand because he took our judgment. He doesn't sit on the left. He sits on the right. And so Ephesians 1 tells us that we are blessed with every heavenly blessing. 
joy and, and peace and purpose and we have an inheritance in Christ. And as you grow in Christ, you come to find out what these things are. And so um, Jesus has went to heaven. He's commissioned his disciples. His disciples have went from disciples, which means students, to apostles, which means sent ones. So now they're going all over the world and they're sharing the good news about who Jesus is. And as they share about Christ in cities that have never heard about Jesus, churches are being born. Churches are popping up all over the place. It starts with 120 people in Acts chapter 1. And now present day, about 2,000 years later, we are over 2 billion people who claim to be followers and believers of Jesus. Just a small seed, but so much more as you stay rooted in the Lord. And so there's this guy named Philip who was a disciple of Jesus. And Philip was known to talk to people that the other disciples would not talk to. Philip would talk to a Samaritan. Jewish people did not talk to Samaritans because they were half-breeds. Um, they would consider them as low as dogs. Philip would go and talk to a Samaritan. He would serve Samaritans. And so Philip is just all over the place preaching about who Jesus is. And that's the context of where we are. We're going to jump into this story. Uh, Acts 8 verse 26 says this. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. And he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandake, the queen of Ethiopia. Now, eunuch is a male who has dedicated his life to serving the queen. Um, he can't have children and um, he's not married. His entire life is devoted to serving the queen. And so the eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Now, this was a, an African man who was a worshiper of the Jewish God, Yahweh. And so he had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning back to Ethiopia. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah is found in your Old Testament. Isaiah lived 700 years before Jesus Christ. Isaiah foretold, or prophesied is the word, a lot about Christ. He foretold about the birth of Jesus he foretold about the death of Jesus. He even said that, um, it's that famous term, I think it's Isaiah 7, 14, for Christmas. We know it. Um, Emmanuel, God with us. They will call him Emmanuel, God with us. And it says this here, verse 29, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. This is interesting because God is three in one. If you're taking notes, God is three in one. God is Father, God is Son, and God is Holy Spirit. A lot of people have some trouble understanding how that concept or, or how that theological truth flows, but I like to explain it to people like this, just to use me as an example because it's easy. I am one person. I am husband to my wife, I am father to my children, and I am son to my parents. One person in three. One person, three different functions. So it's really not all that hard. He's God, the Father, he's the Son, and he's the Holy Spirit. To build it out a little more, uh, the Father is the creator. He is the judge. The Son is Savior. So the Bible says that the, all of the fullness of God dwelt on the inside of Jesus. 
but he did not tap into his his divine um, nature. So Jesus was fully human and fully God, but he never tapped into the God side. The Bible says that he laid all of his rights as God to the side so that he could fully have the human experience against sin, the struggle. Jesus knew what it was to be in a mixed, broken family. Jesus knew what it was to not have his biological father in his life. Jesus knew what it was to be rejected and what it was to be sick. But the Bible says that in all of these things, he was without sin. Praise God. And then, okay, we can, we can, we can clap about that. Praise God. And then it's God, the Holy Spirit, which is in us. So God, the Father, would come upon people. And then when Jesus came on the scene, God was with us. And so when Jesus went to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit, and now it's God in us. So it's upon, in the Old Testament, he was with when he was physical, and now we have the gift of the Holy Spirit in our hearts when we put faith in Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is inside of Philip, and he's saying, go to that carriage. And I love what Philip did, because when Jesus was upon the earth, he said, if anyone goes one mile, go two. If anyone asks you to give them their shirt, give them your coat. And and so I love Philip because the Holy Spirit, Jesus, God is telling him to walk and watch this. It says Philip ran. So he went above and beyond in serving God. He was growing in his faith. And he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? He's saying, like, who's going to who, who's going to lead me to understanding this? We need leaders, church. We need leaders. I believe that God uh, has anointed each and every person in this church to be a leader. And, and it's just about like we talked about last week, not finding a perfect church, but finding a healthy church, being rooted and growing, understanding that just how you came to church hurt and you came to church broken and we all still do. There's going to be someone that comes that next Sunday, six months from now, that next year. And it's their hope that someone has grown to the place in their faith where they're able to feed them. And so he said, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. Verse 32, the passage of scripture he had read, he he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shears. He did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? Like, did he have kids? Was he ever married? No, his entire life was devoted to us. It says this here, for his life was taken from the earth. This is Isaiah prophesying 700 years about Jesus before Jesus came on the scene. And so it says this here, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, Was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. It says that as they rode along, they came. Keep going. Skip over to that verse for me. We're just going to read this through. As they rode along, they came. Verse 36. There it is. As they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? So he ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Today I want to 
bring a message entitled The Next Step. The Next Step. I just want to give you a few points of encouragement about baptism today. Hopefully we can clarify a lot of things. Some of us were not raised in church, so a lot of this is going to be new to you and foreign. But I'll do my best to stay clear and to stay monosyllabic and to, um, to just use one, one syllable per word. And um, that's how Jesus taught. Jesus came on the scene and he wasn't Deuteronomy 48, 9 says this. No, Jesus told a story and people could relate and they entered in and to a relationship with God because it was simple and it was clear. And so I just want to give you a few things about baptism. Um, number one, faith in Jesus is the first step. Faith in Jesus is is the first step. Born of a virgin, the only son of God who lived a sinless life. He he, he died for our sin. The word sin in the Greek is an archery term, and it means to miss the mark. It means to miss the mark. The Bible says that we are all sinners. We have all fallen short of the glorious standard of God. There are over 600 laws in your Old Testament. That's what we were judged by before Jesus came upon the earth. And every single day, we would miss that law. We would sin against that law. But Jesus hit the mark for us. And so if you don't believe in sin, it's not a condemning statement. If you don't believe that sin exists or that you're a sinner, number one, we need to get you some help, some prayer. But number two, you may not have children, especially little ones. They're wonderful, they're beautiful, they're handsome, they're cute, but they're sinners. And they need deliverance. Come on, don't give me your church face. They're sinners. See? You're judging them. No, I'm spade a spade. All right, call it. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. And we needed a Savior. I tell people this all the time. God does not send people to hell. Because he provided a clear and easy way out. And his name is Jesus. And so it says this here, Romans 10, 9 through 10. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. It's that simple. It's not about going to a priest. Confessing to a sinful priest. It's not about coming to me and saying, Pastor, I'm a sinner, and hey, let's pray. You know, I can lead you to Christ. I can lead you in that prayer. It's simply about believing and declaring with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And your, your home is heaven for all eternity. It is that God loves you. He sent his son for you, his spirits for you, favors on you. He has a plan for you. That's salvation, and it's that simple. You don't have to change the way you dress. I mean, I got a little taco meat going on right here. I don't have a tie on. Like, it's all, we all need some grace and some mercy and some forgiveness and some love, and his name is Jesus. Come on, I need us to be excited about that. You might have a different afternoon if you get excited about Jesus. It could change everything. So I just want to clear the air that God's not in, in heaven like, I'm going to, come on, mama, like, I'm going to get you. No, God's like, I'm trying to get you so I can love you and, and grow you and prosper your life through my son. 
It's just that simple. Salvation is that simple, and he offers it every single morning. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 23 says that every morning his mercies are renewed. Every morning his mercies are renewed. So you can get up in, in, in that comfort. Romans 5, 1 through 2 says this, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, not by works, but by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us, not because of what we do, but because of what he has done for us. The word there is grace. The word there is grace. That God, salvation is a gift, charis, charisma. He, he, he gave a, the gift because of what Jesus has done for us. And I'm, I'm happy that we don't have to do any work to get to God. But, but one of, one of the, the proofs of our faith is that we want to grow in God. So when you come to Christ, you want to work from that vantage point. So you're not working for victory. You're working from victory. You're working from freedom. And it says this here, verse, 20, uh, verse 2, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. So, so write this down. Faith is, is the only step for salvation, but it is the first step in our relationship with God. It's all you need for salvation. Well, I like the text here. It says we look forward. There's something about a, a walking with God, not just coming to church and checking the box, but, but, but coming to church and getting a word and getting in community and then walking with him Sunday evening and Monday Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's, it's a relationship with a loving Savior who has plans and promises for us. We look forward to sharing in his glory. And this isn't just talking about heaven. This is talking about the glory he wants to reveal in your life while here on earth. This is talking about opportunities and relationships and your influence and, and your knowledge base and, and the places he wants to take you in Christ. As you carry the gospel everywhere you go, God wants to show you his glory in your life. And so that salvation is the only step. Faith is the only step to salvation, but it's the first step in our relationship with God. Babies, when they take their first steps, it's amazing. It's amazing. We wait on it. You know, they do the belly, they do the crawl, they stand up on the couch, and it's like, let go of the couch and, and, and take that first step. They take the first step, and they fall. And then what do we want as, as aunts and uncles and older cousins and moms and dads? We want them to take those next steps. We want them to grow. We want them to go from diapers to potty train. We want them to go from from. from uh, pre-K to 12th. We want them to graduate. We want them to get promoted. We, that, that's, it, it's, baptism is, is, it, is there's some more steps. So first steps are vital. Write this down. First steps are vital, but next steps bring about the growth of a thing. Bring about the growth of a thing. When I think about my relationship with, with, with Jesus, I mean, 33 years old, 2,000 years later, bar none, hands down, the greatest man to ever live. I'll be 33 in a year, and I'm, I'm, like, I'm thinking, like, how did he do it? Like, how did he 
do it? Why do we still talk about this? Why is he still the, 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 the by, by his name, millions curse, and by his name, millions bless? You know what I mean? Like, having a tough day, Jesus Christ, tough day. Having a great day, Jesus, it's been a great day. By his name. And I just, I don't know, like, as I, I love the church, and we preached about church last Sunday, but it's something about him that is attractive. Yeah. It's something about him that's glorious. It's something about his teachings and the way he lived his life, and it's something about his power that, that we, want to, we want to grow in. And so a pivotal step is this, is we have to understand this next point is, is that baptism is the next step. Baptism is the next step. So we know based upon the story that the eunuch believes and he receives Jesus and then he is immediately baptized. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Um, their, their baptism, you'll find 27 different occasions in the book of Acts where someone receives Jesus. And immediately after they receive Christ, they are baptized. So to wait to be baptized is not a biblical concept. To wait. So I, I gave my heart to Jesus, and, um, you know, I'm going to set it up in five months or a year because i got to get my, my dad in town. It's not a biblical concept immediately. This is why the eunuch, when he received Christ, he said, there's water right there. I want to be baptized. I want to take that next step because I want to grow. Uh, why is this? Because baptism is, number one, a step of desire. It's a step of desire. When you, is this okay? This is teaching? Okay. Um, anyone who believes, when they believe in Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. And so it says this in Ephesians 1.13. And now you Gentiles, this Ethiopian was a Gentile. He was not of Jewish origin. We are, if we are not of Jewish origin, we are Gentiles. Have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you his spirit. So that's God in your heart. We just talked about that. Whom he promised long ago. So you receive God's spirit and your desires begin to shift. It's the reason why for, for a lot of us, we, we want to we minimize gossip. We don't gossip the way we used to. We don't go the places we used to go. We don't hang out with the people we used to hang out with. We, we like to show up on time. We're starting to budget our money. We're dreaming about bigger things. We want to increase our education. We want to get away from toxic people. We want to be faithful to one person, and therefore, we're going to be faithful to Jesus until he sends us that person. What happens is, is that the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you, and he begins to give you a taste and an affinity for the things of God. So baptism is a step of desire. If you've never wanted to be water baptized before and now you do, it's a sure sign that the Holy Spirit is working in your heart. It's a step of, of desire. It's a step, no, I can't be there. I can't go there. I don't want to, I got to stay here. I got to stay focused. I got to stay rooted. I got to study. I got to work out. I don't have time for that. I love you. Are you going to grow? Because if you're going to grow, we can grow together. It's that desire. We can clap that up. It's that desire that God's Spirit is working in your heart. And there's something about it that you begin to understand, man. God is, 
uh, a change in my desires, but there's something weird about how your desires are shifting, but you have this, this inner compass that you believe that there's something that's going to that's gonna pay off. I'm going to be rewarded as I obey those desires. I'm going to be blessed abundantly as I obey their, these desires. John 10.10, 10, um, for, for, um, I have come to give you a life and a life more abundantly. How do we get into that abundance? By following the desires of God, not the desires of self or of men. It's all about that, that step of desire. The other thing that baptism is, it's a step of obedience. So hopefully we can clarify this. It is a step of obedience. Philip would have taught the eunuch what Jesus commanded his followers. We don't see it in the text. Because, and I want to help you, like, a lot of us are like, well, where are the dinosaurs in Scripture? Like, can I just help you? The Bible is an executive summary of a lot of stuff. It's not everything. We're not going to find out everything until we get to heaven. And if it's not in there, it just wasn't important for our relationship with God. And actually, dinosaurs are in there. They're in the book of Job. So, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow you to search that out. The, uh, the Bible actually says that it is God's job to conceal a thing, and it is man's job to search it out. So it's in Job, and it's 42 chapters. Have fun. So um, a step of obedience. Jesus, Jesus told Philip and all the disciples this. Matthew 28. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. Here it is, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Teach these new disciples to obey. What are we doing? We're baptizing. It's a step of obedience. And he says this here, and be sure of this, I am with you always to the end of the age. Baptism is a follow-through action step. From your faith. And we don't have to pray about something that God has called us to obey. It's as if I go to my oldest son and I say, Jay, clean your room. I need you done by 630. It's 6 p.m. and I tell him, you have a half an hour to clean your room. God forbid he goes into his room, he closes door and he says, well, dad, I'm going to pray about that. Let me pray about if I'm going to clean my room. And I'm like, well, I don't really got to pray about obeying God because I got this belt. See, y'all don't think it's funny because y'all, y'all don't whoop kids in this generation. I'm an old soul. Like, I'm going to give you something. Because it's in Scripture. It says that the, 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 what is it? the rod of discipline drives hell from children. Y'all don't want to talk to me. Y'all got on your church faces this morning, and I ain't playing no games. All right, let's go dip some people, man. I, I try to come in here all, y'all. La-dee-da. It's okay. I don't use the belt. I use a spatula. So I might, I might use a belt on Jay. Because he's a little darker. But Judah, Judah's light. And so I got I to gotta line him up just right. Bam. Can't leave any marks. Because if he's at school and the teacher's like, you're hitting your kids. He'll be like, you take them. You take them. 
I just think, you know, I don't know, man. I just, I just think we're making, as a culture, too many allowances for sin. It's just everything is everything, and don't judge. And Look, ain't no one judging. You're in sin. And, um, yeah, and this is why we have to do High Word Wednesday, because it's going to allow us to, if, if you come, watch this. Look, we just opened up the Bible to Acts chapter 8, right? What happened Acts 1 through 7? And so High Word Wednesday, we, we got to start and finish. And as a teacher of the scripture, I can't skip things I want to skip on a Sunday. And we're going to learn it. And, and we're going to come across some verses that people are going to be like, I, I don't know if I agree with that. It doesn't matter. It's God's word. And what we do is we have to, by the grace of God, by the strength of God, live up to the word. Obey the word. You know, and, and, and so this thing is filled with grace and truth and it is for our betterment and it's for our growth. And I don't know. I just I just want to get it right. So, you know, baptism symbolizes new life. New life. So if you're, what is baptism? Well, it symbolizes new life. Romans 6, 4 says this. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. We died spiritually and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. So we died. The word baptism in the Greek, if you're taking notes, is baptizo, B-A-P-T-I-Z-O. And it, it means to immerse or to go under. So you remember earlier I told you when you get saved, you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That is the only baptism you need to go to heaven. You actually don't need to be water baptized to go to heaven. But it's a step of obedience. It's a step of desire you should. So what happened when Jesus went to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit. And what happened? The Holy Spirit went under into the earth, into our hearts. Water baptism is a representation or it symbolizes that the old you who didn't know God, who was dead in your sins. That's also something the Bible says is that we were dead men and women walking outside of Jesus. It is a symbol that the water is the grave. The old you has died to sin, which is a good thing. And the new you has been risen to new life, which is a great thing. It is <laughs> like everything's up in there. <laughs> because the Bible teaches like, how, yes, sin is an archery term and it means to miss the mark. But it also says that the wages of sin is death. The word death in the Greek is separation. And we can take you all the way back to Genesis when Adam and Eve They fell. It was the original sin. What happened? They were in the garden. They had everything they needed. They could cultivate the good. I got it all. I got everything I need to succeed. Optimal outlook. They got it all. What happened when they sinned was that God covered them because sin causes shame. You remember, if you'd ever read Genesis, they sinned and they tried to cover themselves. That is salvation by works. I'm going to stop drinking. You stop a day and you go back to it. I'm going to stop messing with this person. Stop for six hours and you go back to it. <laughs> I'm going to stop being negative and yelling at my kids and being mean. 
stop for five minutes and you go back to it. It, it, it's salvation by work. So Adam and Eve, they were trying to cover themselves. And so God comes into the garden and says, in this time, the spirit of God walked with man. Man had not called on the name of the Lord for hundreds of years because the presence of God was there. There was no separation. So God comes and we actually believe that this is Jesus in the garden. But God comes and he asks, he says, not because he didn't know, but because he wanted them to come face to face with it. He said, um, where are you? They said, we, we were hiding because we were naked. He said, who told you you were naked? I'm not ashamed of you. I haven't condemned you. There's nothing wrong with your body, with the way you look and how you talk and the color of your hair and the color of your eyes and the work I've given you to do and the purpose and the calling I have on your life. I, I didn't tell you that. Who? What's going on? You need to read this. God's heart is broken. But because he is holy and he is sinless, God cannot abide in the presence of sin. So what happened was, was that he sent an angel with a flaring sword and Adam and Eve were separated from all of God's best. So it is a good thing to receive Christ. It is the best decision you could ever make. And then Jesus comes in John 10, 10, and he says that you would have life and life to the full. Because what Jesus did was sinner, God, Jesus became the bridge so that we would get back to God. And in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. In the presence of God, there's fullness of power. In the presence of God, there's fullness of resource. In the presence of God, there's fullness of everything that you'll ever need. And it's all in Jesus. So baptism is a representation that you've died to the sin nature that the first Adam introduced. And the Bible calls Jesus the second Adam. You get on back up to new life. It symbolizes new life, the best life, the greatest life in Christ. It's a contrast as well between the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Um, it's like a seed that's buried. So when a seed is buried, the outer shell eventually breaks. Baptism is a symbol of the seed season breaking because you're limited as a seed. But as you take that next step of baptism, you're saying, God, this is what you're saying. I'm letting my roots down. At one point, this thing was a seed. And so in the waters of baptism, you break the shell, you take root, and you begin to grow. It's such an essential next step in, in your faith. Baptism. Baptism. The other thing baptism is, is it is a public declaration. It's a public declaration if you're taking notes. So I love it because this Ethiopian eunuch who was the treasurer of Ethiopia, he had a team with him. Philip is there. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit is there. It is public. 
he's going public with his faith. Very important, high-ranking man. What I love the most about the story is that historically, um, Ethiopia became the first Christian country outside of Jerusalem. And so this Ethiopian um, eunuch, he would have taken the gospel and told it to the queen. Isn't that like God? He took it to the queen, and so the queen begins to preach the gospel across Ethiopia. And historically, Ethiopia is the first Christian country outside of Jerusalem. It's such a powerful thing. So it's a public declaration. I need you to write this down. Baptism is an external demonstration that an internal transformation has occurred. It is an external demonstration that an internal transformation has occurred. It's saying that I identify with the teachings of Jesus. And I'm going public and I'm telling the world, I'm telling mom, I'm telling dad, I'm, I'm telling no matter what I was raised. I was raised atheist, agnostic, Buddhist, Muslim, what, I'm, I'm with Jesus. Uh, he saved my soul. He said that I am the way to the father. There's no other way but through me. I'm going public with, with Jesus. Mom, I love you. I love all the principles you taught me, but I'm going public with Jesus Christ. And so um, it's, it's like you, when, when you have a marriage, I'm married to my wife here, and it's, it's like when, when you get married or when you do anything, you're going public with it. You're moving forward in that thing. It, it doesn't remain private. It goes public. Come on, close me out, Jason. I'm going public. And so many of you would ask, and we do, we have people here who are signed up to be baptized. Let's celebrate that. That's going to be so fun. That'd be great. Many of you may have a few questions. You may or may not, but I'm going to answer them for you anyway. Um, you may ask, what if I gave my life to Jesus years ago? Pastor, you're saying it's, it's the next step, but um, it's been a few years. So what do I do? Like, I just tell you, take that step. Take that step. I gave my life to Christ in 06, and um, I wasn't baptized until 2010. Um, it's not because I didn't want to, but it was because I didn't have the, the teaching, the teaching. And once it was taught, man, it's a step of obedience. I need to do this. Jesus was baptized. The disciples were baptized. Paul was baptized. I need, I need to get in on this. Um, your question may be, I was baptized as a child or dedicated as a baby and um, you could have been sprinkled, you know, that's not baptism. By virtue of the fact that the word means to go under, that's baptism. I'd even say that if you were younger, uh, under 10, you know, 9, 8, baby, you probably didn't fully realize the decision you were making. So my comfort to you is, is that your parents were dedicating you or encouraging you to be baptized with the hopes that one day you would have a personal relationship with God. And that if you would step into the waters of baptism today, you would bring that season in your parents' lives full circle today. You would fulfill that prayer. 
And then the other question is, is, is water baptism required for salvation? No. Just the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But if Jesus said do it, let's put your stake in the ground. I, I, once again, I believe there's nothing magical about the water. Like, you know, it's, it might be cold. I know it's sitting out in the sun, but water, water is resilient and stubborn. Unless it starts out warm. But what I believe is this. I believe that certain things won't change in your life, even for the believer, until you actually get baptized. You're not going to move forward into certain things until you actually get baptized. Some of you will say, well, I've been baptized as an adult and I fully understood it. What do I do? I think I want to be baptized today again. The Holy Spirit is tugging on my heart. Get baptized. There's not a limitation on it. So God's, God's working in your heart. We're ready to celebrate. We're ready to, to do that. And beyond that, if you do today, you get a, you get a new shirt. A free shirt. We got you. We got you. I promise we got you. It's not, nothing to be afraid of. Everything is in black. So we can hide your goodies. Everyone has goodies. Don't give me your church face. This may have been a teaching, but I'm still crazy. Everything's in black for you. And... Um, I'm telling you, we have everything you need. Men and women alike, even hygiene products. Come on, clap this up. This is good. This is good. This is good. Have your towel and with this premium baptism uh, deal, free flip-flops. Come on, church. Come on. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray. I don't, want, I don't want Satan to talk you out of this. Yeah. You're probably thinking, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to do this. Um, but don't. I got to call my mom and get my dad in town. It's, look, I, when, I gave, when I was baptized in 2010, it was January, and it was 33 degrees. It's Florida State University's fountain. Lord knows the things that are in that fountain. <laughs> but, you know, my mom and dad didn't know. You know, they knew I was walking with Jesus, but they didn't know. And I, it was time. It was, it was between me, Jesus, that local community that was with me, that pastor, those friends. So we have photographers and we'll send your people a postcard, invite them to church this summer and get baptized again when they get here. But if God's calling you right now, let's do this. So let's, let's pray. Let's celebrate the word of God. And then we're going to bow our heads in prayer. Come on, church, let's pray. Father, we love you and we honor you. And we thank you, God, with every head bowed. God, I just pray that you would give us the comfort to trust in you. For those of you who don't believe in Christ and you're saying, hey, I, I need Jesus in my life. I need a, a new start. I need deliverance. I need salvation. I, I want that abundance, that freedom. Just, church, re repeat this prayer after me. And if this is your first time, 
coming to Christ. It's amazing. Repeat this prayer after me. Say, Father God, I love you. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I repent and I turn from my life of sin. Fill me with your spirit. I declare and I believe that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. I love you. Amen. Every head bowed. Now, for those of you who want to take that step of baptism, I just want you to raise your hand. I just want you to raise your hand. Hallelujah. Just raise your hand. God's calling you to it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. We can drop those hands. Church, come on. Let's celebrate. We have people taking the next step. Thank you. Hey, everyone who signed up, Miss Lisa, Deborah, come up front. Everyone who signed up, come on up, Chuka. You raise that hand. Come on up. Come on, let's celebrate these people. Carol. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Hey, let's just extend your hand toward them. They're going to be baptized today, and we're going to pray. Come on, let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for your your son and your daughters here. We ask that you would just bless them, God. We thank you for their step of obedience. We thank you, God, that you are going to touch them in the waters of baptism. You're going to give them power and strength. You're going to give them grace for the summer season and for the rest of their lives. Jesus, we thank you that your spirit is in their hearts. We thank you that they are growing in faith. We thank you that they are growing in your plan, Lord. And we ask, Lord, that you would impart a supernatural power on the inside. It's going to make them unstoppable. God, we thank you for their faith and their obedience. Bless them in Jesus' name. And the church says amen and amen.